This week on the Throncast, Mara gets the Force back, Luke and Lando confront cigar-smoking Niles Ferrier, and the New Republic government makes the U.S. look not that terrible in comparison. Get ready to fight against Crazy Jedi Masters. It's time for the Throncast. Governor Price, these rebels have proven particularly stubborn. How do you intend to solve this problem? I need someone who sees a bigger picture. The Empire is getting better at anticipating our moves. I underestimated the commander. The previous attacks were clumsy. But this one was swift. Precise. To defeat an enemy, you must know them. Not simply their battle tactics, but their history, philosophy, art. Grand Admiral Thrawn. Hello, and welcome to the Throncast. I'm your host, Nancy, and today we're discussing chapters one through four of Dark Force Rising. Joining me on this legendary journey are my co-hosts, Brian. Hello. Matthew. Hello. Amanda. Cheers. And Tyler. Hey. And before we get started, happy birthday, Amanda. Thank you. It is I'm very excited. One of my favorite things in this whole trilogy is in this week's chapters. Like you knew it was going to be my birthday. I planned it <laughs> that way on purpose, even though I did not know when your birthday was when I made the schedule. It was the force at work. It was that that is exactly how the force works. It's also the force at work that we are uh, starting a book called Dark Force Rising when uh, we've shifted into the darkest timeline. So uh, way to go. Let's not dwell on that. (laughs) No, we are here to be happy and talk about Borskvalia, who's terrible (laughs) and awful. I'm here to avoid reality. I don't know about the rest of you. Yes. I was just going to make jokes about what Dark Force is and why it's rising. (laughs) And I'm going to make well, hey, don't worry. To I'll be sure to of touch on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So we are now starting book two of the trilogy. Um, this is marking when I forget what things actually happen in the book. So uh, fun times <laughs> are ahead. Uh, I'm actually really excited because I've, you know, I don't know. Well, I do know why I've read Heir to the Empire more. It's because that was the only book that had a 20th anniversary edition. So uh, I'm I actually, yeah, I'm looking forward to remembering these books. <laughs> That's so interesting, though, because like the way my brain works, like I, I would be physically incapable of reading Heir to the Empire and not reading Dark Force Rising in the Last <laughs> Command afterwards. Well, that's not just me. Well, just Matthew, that's... My brain just doesn't work like that. <laughs> Matthew, that's because you're neurotic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I didn't just read the other two. And then I, like, I started to do a retrospective on the blog. And then I just kind of lost track of it. Because I realized I don't want to write about these books. I want to talk about them. So, yeah. <laughs> here we are. And now we're here. Here we are. How many years later was that? I don't know, like two. Yeah, well. <laughs> she or no, still had a dream and she manifested it and now I, it's happening. I did. So, chapter one of Dark Force Rising starts, as all Timothy Zahn books do, with the Star Destroyer. In this case, we have the Star Destroyer Chimera 
with our friends Thrawn and Peleon over the planet Merker, and they are getting ready to attack Card's base because now that the Sluzvan attack is over with and gone terribly awry, uh, they can go back to the important uh, matters of revenge. <laughs> um, and we have one of my favorite lines even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes that's goddamn blasphemous <laughs> <laughs> which is also in the introduction to the Star Wars Bookworms podcast so when I read that I'm like oh right that's what that line's from So, uh, and also Thrawn saying that his real love is not goods or money but information because which we have discussed at length, but apparently the average reader perhaps had not picked up yet. So Timothy Zahn felt the need to come out and tell us in well, very plain language that that is. Well, and it was also Thrawn saying it. So, you know. Yeah, it's it's good to know that Thrawn, you know, realizes that. Although yeah. you can just probably assume that Thrawn realizes everything. <laughs> if Thrawn can That's... count on his fingers how long it takes how many people to go from one ship to the other and figure out which people went from one ship to the other, he had that bit of card nailed, like, basically when he answered his first phone call. Yeah. Uh, so the the subtitles for this for this. Uh, Podcast our Paleon has concerns and Thrawn realizes everything. <laughs> um, yeah, Pal- Palian's role is I don't want to second guess you, but yeah, <laughs> could you explain this thing to me? And Thrawn is yes, underling. I will explain it to you because I are smart. <laughs> so I mean, it's take it's if you want to take the Thrawn is Sherlock thing a little bit further. Paleon really is Watson. <laughs> Like oh, yeah. In that he in that he functions the same way oh, yeah. Watson does as you know, somebody to explain shit to. And in other books where Theron is a character, yet Paleon has not yet uh you know become a second in command, he has other Watsons for yeah. Theron. So um they are getting ready to attack card space. Basically Theron wants to ransack the uh, settlement for multiple purposes. One, to give some much needed needed ground training for uh, General Cover- Covel's crew. And also because he thinks that Card might have left people behind in Hilliard City. And if they send a message out, they can track where Card has gone to. So, um, also, uh, there is a very uh, gay exchange in this chapter. <laughs> Where um, Peleon says something and Card or Thrawn is like, very good. And he, the, the line is, Peleon felt a touch of warmth on his cheeks. The Grand Admiral's compliments were few and far between. Okay, so I was going to let that whole Sherlock, Watson, I ship it thing go. I was just going to knock and then you bring up this line. <laughs> I mean, I did not write it. Timothy Zahn wrote it. <laughs> and... Most people would probably, you know, take that at face value of a, you know, <laughs> subordinate being happy at praise. But no, I I do not go that way. Hi. <laughs> so um, in, in my returning segment, uh, Fanfic Corner. Um, <laughs> have you found Fanfic? Just, uh, <laughs> have I found fa- Fanfic? Let me... Yes. Um... <laughs> Wow. Oh, my God. 
Okay, so oh, when you found oh. it, was the explicit tag on AO3 turned on or off? <laughs> um, well, um, I can't read. No, 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 I can't read the tags. That we're not, we're not read, rated E for explicit, are we? No, no, sorry. we are not. <laughs> okay, hang on. I'm, I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read just a, a select, <laughs> no, a select number of tags. Okay. Okay. Here we go, kids. Um. <laughs> Um, Thrawn is very eager to please. <laughs> that doesn't seem right. Paleon is happy to let him do. Oh, God. It seems like it should be the other way around. I mean, I agree. this is, um... I think that person's new to fandom. Uh, I no, have... no, this is, this is, um... Or um, writing in general. This is a role reverse. Oh, 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 oh. okay. Yes, get it. yes, yes. <laughs> Okay, why yeah, are you, that, why that, would you write fan fiction if you're not going to to stay within the bound <laughs> at least the the margins of of what the characters are actually like? Okay, I you mean, know I, this um, is this is look, like asking why coffee shop a music exists because it just does. But yeah, I thought that like the whole it. idea of like those kind of a I mean I don't know I don't <laughs> well, I, I don't haven't know. read fan fiction ever but like I thought the whole point was like you take the characters as they are but then drop them in high school or drop them in a coffee shop or whatever like why would you why would you switch I mean switching things up just seems like why why would you why would it be fan fiction at all like why maybe Thrawn has a kink and occasionally he wants to be a <laughs> sub like I'm not gonna kink shame the Grand Admiral you know it Grand Admiral Mike. I, I am Admiral. going to reel back in this conversation. Oh, I am anyway. making a fishing anyway, pole motion. That Tyler's fanfic corner for this week. <laughs> Thank you, Tyler. This is my favorite recurring segment. <laughs> can, oh, can I? Can, 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 someone, can, I can, can someone please make me like a yes. banner? <laughs> a TV version of my Matthew, face. And just <laughs> I don't know what you were going to say, but please say it. <laughs> I was just going to say, can I say something about the book, please? Yes, go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I just I just wanted to mention there's some really lovely imagery like in this chapter, like the, mm -hmm. the first paragraph, the description of the, the sun and the Star Destroyer and the planet and how it's all oriented is really nice. And I like that he's committing to the bit of, you know, starting each each one with the Star Destroyer, but also like you know, describing them in different ways, the way that the movies, you know, show them in, in different ways and different orientations. And mm -hmm. he, he paints a nice word picture there. Yes. And then uh, jumping ahead a bit, I really like the uh, the the imagery of the uh, the at ats converging on the uh, on the base from all four directions. That's Thank you. like bursting out of the forest. That's really awesome. <laughs> Thank you for using the proper pronunciation of at at. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> what, who do you think I am? <laughs> A monster. <laughs> but yeah, that's, both of those are really nice, nice, uh, nice yeah. descriptions, nice, nice visual moments. I, I agree enjoyed. with you there. I also like uh, General Covell's POV. Um, yeah, so grumpy. <laughs> yeah, he is so grumpy. Um, and so one might think as they're reading this that, um, you know, that's just there for a perspective because he's on the ground and you need to, you know, get get in that mindset. However, uh, keep him in mind for later because uh, he's he's a plot point, Tyler. <laughs> Although I'm sad. I'm sad. Ooh, it's not what? General Beers. I know, right? <laughs> But like, where's Veers? Come on. I don't know. Get, ask Veers Watch on Twitter, man. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, so, uh, Mara and Card and Aves and some of the other folks, but those are the ones that we know, are in the system watching this attack go down uh, because that's what Card is doing. Because his information boner. His information boner, yes. Um, I, she does not like being there. She's like, why are we here? We need to go. Yeah, we need to get out of she here. She has a wit of common sense. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, also the, the force. modicum of common sense. Also the force, but also the not wanting to be anywhere near the Grand Admiral that they have just betrayed. I think it's just common sense, really, at that yeah. point. It, it's, yeah, <laughs> true. It is, but it's weird because she's having, like, she thinks it might also be the force, but she's not sure. And yet she knows they need to get the H out of there. Yeah. So... It's it's very interesting to be in her head at that moment where she's like, I'm sure. And then it's like, but she wasn't really sure. Right. <laughs> so but then she was right. So yeah, <laughs> um, I really love this part where Chin comes in with the Vornskers like dragging him and they're just staring straight at Mara. And it's like she's like they have the look on her faces that the wild Vornskers had right before they were about to attack Luke. And they're just like obsessed with her. And she knows why, but she's terrified of the reason why. And this is when Card, as we discussed in the last episode, starts to get suspicious. And he asks her, what are you doing? Well, yeah, I was going to say it's interesting because we were debating how much he knows or how much he suspects last time. And like him to just straight up ask, are you doing something? Like tells me that like he he pretty much figured it out. Yeah. Um, so she, um, basically there's, uh, they, we go back and forth between, uh, Thrawn and Covel and Mara and she, you know, we, we, we realize that Thrawn has set a trap for them that he sent a message. Because of course he yeah, has. Yeah, because he has. So he sent a message to an interdictor cruiser to uh, jump into the system uh, when they, they were giving the attack to start the battle so that the wild card wouldn't be able to uh, get, you know, intercept the message. Um, and yeah, That's such a small thing, but I, I enjoy is. that bit of of, uh, of strategizing, sending the message at the same time to, to mask it. Right. From, uh, from it's one detected. of the things. That's, it's such a nice little touch. It is. It's one of the things I really like about Zahn's writing uh, in comparison to other authors I've read in uh, Star Wars is that he doesn't make things easy for his characters. Like, even though we joke around about how convenient things are when everyone comes together, you know, if someone has to break into a place or escape he gives them lots of different steps that they have to take to get there, you know? Yeah. And it's not a matter of, oh, Thrawn just happened to figure out they were there. And, you know, he he's like, no, I'm going to send this message at this precise time so, the, so they don't realize what I'm doing and I am have all these other moving pieces. Um, yeah, he makes it very hard for his characters, which is satisfying. Well, and it just shows... Yeah, it just shows that he's given it like half a minute's thought too. Yeah. That he's not just like slapping stuff down willy nilly. He's he's actually like you know considered this. Yeah. So finally, Mara just she can't take it any longer, and she starts the startup procedure. Uh, the Tie Fighters immediately come from the Chimera towards them. Um, then the Interdictor cruiser jumps into the system, and they barely make it out in time. 
it's a very tense scene. It like, is. I, I read rereading this. Like I was surprised at like how tense this is and how really well done it is. I mean, it's like it's like what, like two full pages maybe of like, you know, this little like, you know, race to see if they get out of there. And like it's just it's really it's really well done. I, I really enjoyed this moment. Agreed. Um and the bit of reflection on Mara's part after they jump out of there is really I, I, I love it so much because um, I think around this part is when I started to like her more <laughs> and, and, and start contrast to Amanda. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're such a bitch. And then I'm like, oh, but she has feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I was like, "Oh, it's awesome! She's such a bitch." And I'm like, "Oh, she's three dimensional. She has feelings." Yeah. Boo. Oh man. <laughs> um, can uh, can we human. talk about can we talk about what a great uh, job description a come up flector for a swoop gang on Capriol <laughs> is? Like, what what are those words? It's, <laughs> in a, it's in a short story that he later wrote. Actually. I mean, I mean, from later Star Wars stuff, I know what swoop yeah. gangs are, but what the hell is a come up flector? That's, <laughs> that's not know. a thing. <laughs> but, Hang on, let me check these old West End game supplements I have here. I, I might be able to find right. it in there. It's, yeah, there, I mean, yeah, he's actually. I think he went back and wrote all those about her. Well, well, and I know the ice on quarter like shows up in the Rogue Squadron game, so I'm assuming yeah. that's also from West End. But, yeah. but that that sentence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? what? Those that are was not one words. of those moments. Like, oh right. We're about to enter into the kingdom of Star Wars words. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Prepare yourself for the flimsy plast. And the calf. The calf. And the jizz. (laughs) (laughs) Brian, you missed our discussion on jizz last week. This is what happens when you're gone. We don't need to go over it again. (laughs) Or we could go over it again in even more detail. (laughs) No. The title of the book is Dark Force Rising. (laughs) A little while ago, Pablo uh, retweeted some story yes. from some other person. Were you discussing that yes, one? Yes, we okay. did. Yeah. We talked <laughs> we about it, about it. how, like, of course, we someone did. got to send penthouse forum letters to their publisher and yeah. be like, "This is not a good word." Yeah, <laughs> but they did it anyways. That the word was Kevin J. Anderson's fault, right? Yes, we okay. also discussed yes, that. The reason they kept it was, <laughs> of course, it was. So uh, there are two, um, there's two little passages in here that I love. Uh, she done it again, listened to her inner feelings, tried to do things she knew full well she couldn't do, and in the process had once again wound up clutching the sharp end of the bayonet, which is really interesting for multiple reasons. One, her saying that sh- she was trying to do things she knew she couldn't do. Um, that, that stuck out to me too because it just shows how far she's fallen and how well, much she's lost the ability c- to control the force since well, Sabre like, died. You wouldn't like describe Mara as like a a self conscious or no. self doubting <laughs> character like like that for her to like say like this is something that she couldn't do. It seems like wildly out of character, but like in a way that is still in character if that makes any sense yes like she's she's doubting her own capabilities in that area you know i think i don't want to speculate on why for fear of spoilers but it's it it was interesting and it it, uh it stuck out at me and i'll I'll try and circle back around to that if i remember later it's it makes you sort of feel like she 
was never trained in how to use the force. Right. She was just made to use the force. She was the emperor's hand. She was yep. an extension of his use of the force. So she really doesn't know how to master it and harness it yep. and use it. She used it as which a is, tool. It was or just she thinks tool. she thinks she does it. Yeah. And I because think, she wasn't trained how to do it. Like it's, right. it's yeah. in her. It's like riding a bicycle. But yeah. but I would suggest that she her her reflection there seems to think that the the talent doesn't even come from her maybe right but that that it came from the emperor um that's that's an interesting uh thought because <laughs> there was a segment of fandom and amanda probably knows where i'm going with this that uh believed mara was a force witch or force vampire and basically oh, sucked like got close to people who were powerful in the force so she could suck their power from them. Yeah. That that was an actual thing that people thought. I hated that more than midichlorians. Yeah. <laughs> it, and it wasn't even That's like... an interesting idea. Yeah, but... like, as an idea, I don't hate it more than midichlorians, but applying that to Mara, I do hate more than midichlorians. Yes, because, yeah. because yeah. the only concept, reason people applied it to her is because they didn't like her. That's right, the exactly. only reason. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Are you saying that the people don't like a female character? Yes. Who's how, good at how things? How is that possible? Right? Incompetent? What? It's so not... what you're saying is Ray is a force vampire. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, she stole don't all let, that power from Landis, Kylo. Don't let she Landis hear that. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure Max Landis doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> God. I would hope not. Yeah. If he does, we're find out. Hey, Max Landis. No, I can't say it. <laughs> <laughs> no, heck yourself. Yeah. Screw you, man. <laughs> I also like the idea that she says she'd wound up clutching the sharp end of the bayonet because it's screwed her over so many times before. And um, also, it's, it's not a space bayonet. Yes, bayonet. <laughs> space bayonet. Vibro bayonet. <laughs> Vibro. Yeah. <laughs> um. And then she said, you know, there's that whole passage at the end was so it was back talking about the 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 dreams would the dreams would start and the voices would start. Um, And we basically learned that Mara's obsession with killing Luke is less of an obsession, more of a compulsion and that she wants to do it mostly to make the voices stop. Um, Well, it's it's a nice touch too because like you know when last we saw Mara she and Luke had been you know teamed up and if not exactly buddy buddy then at least working together yeah and it's nice to see that she's like she's right back to you know wanting to kill him <laughs> right but it does brand yeah but it does you know give you some insight and it's you know right that we're still in the very beginning of book two and I mean even if when and when they first met in book one, it's like, all right, if you haven't killed him yet, are yeah. you really going to? <laughs> and right about now is when you're starting to think, there's no way you're ever going to kill him. <laughs> like, <laughs> come on, Mara. But I, you know, this just makes you want to learn more about her and what the hell the emperor did to her. Because poor baby, I want to give you a hug, but then you'd kill me. <laughs> I was going to say, that doesn't seem wise. <laughs> um, so then we switch 
to Joris Savias' point of view because I missed him so much, and now I get to read from his point of view. And it's well, hang so on. Great First, we get wonderful. Thrawn and Talion one more oh, time. Right. And I like I like this moment just because like like Thrawn knows <laughs> that like it wasn't like somebody on the Chimera or one of the other ships that betrayed him. Like he, he you know he has all the information he needs to know you know that the leak didn't come from them right but like he's like hmm i don't know how that happened that's interesting well on to other things <laughs> it's, it's a really it's a really nice moment of characterization because like you know he can't figure out how that happened with the information he has at hand so he's just gonna file it away and you know yeah you know figure it out it later. later yeah 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 he's like i don't know something oh well it must not be important <laughs> <laughs> or just like you know i'll you know i he, he knows that he doesn't have the 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 puzzle pieces necessary yeah. and he'll just yeah, like he'll you know sort of that card keep that and... on the back play that card but i also card. like thron's thron's reaction to uh to Kabat's transmission he's just like oh this guy yeah <laughs> yeah this guy this effing guy good, good stuff but oh. yeah, um, the boss is pretty insane. Yeah, God, seriously, seriously. <laughs> so he's he's on his castle on Joe Mark, and I really love the description of the castle and like the view of the lake down below, and it's it's very Star Warsy, but also like not Star Wars, like sort of like something out of a fantasy book at the same time. Um, yeah, it feels feels different. It feels nice yeah <laughs> so he basically is able to sense mara using the force and there's been an awakening there has been an awakening <laughs> and he you know s- says that he sensed this like three seasons now past and then it's like he he describes it as like someone who had learned how to utilize the force for a time but then somehow forgotten which i i thought utilize you know considering what we just discussed about Mara's abilities was an interesting choice of word. Um, and then, you know, he's just like, well, there's someone else I can mold to my will and have all this power that Thrawn doesn't understand. And he can't really remember his past, which is, you know, kind of alarming considering what we know about him. And yeah, he's yeah, like- just full on bonkers <laughs> it's it's really int- i mean i know you don't like kaboth but like his his pov <laughs> is, is super interesting no. just like and the way that zon writes it is super interesting he's just sort of like meandering through yeah. kaboth's thoughts and it's not and that I, I don't like him it's that i'm supposed to not barking. like him well yeah no i know but uh <laughs> but it's super interesting and i like that i like that he's like pondering like his his you know what he's sensed from mara and then he's like but it's no threat to him, and so it wasn't important. Yeah, <laughs> he just, you like know, Thrawn. doesn't think about it anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yay, yay, uh, yay. Uh, what's his face? Sabiov. <laughs> Welcome back. I just I like that we get <laughs> that Timothy Zahn really did a good job of walking that fine line, uh, letting us into the head of the crazy person. Yeah. Without it losing us story-wise and without it becoming unintelligible and no fun to read. Yeah. Because sometimes when you open up the skull of the crazy person, that can derail everything. And it's also not offensive. Like, a lot of people, when they're writing about someone who is, you know, unhinged, it can get kind of offensive (laughs) in the portrayal. Um, 
But knowing what we know about Sabiath, it's you know clear that uh, something's not right with him because of you know he's a clone. <laughs> well, and really, <laughs> like other, you know, other than the Yasalamari, like Nancy. this is <laughs> the first like you know sort of look we have at his weaknesses yeah you know like he's been pretty imposing up until now but here he's talking about how you know what thrawn has him doing is really hard and it hurts and he's obviously crazy and he can't remember his past and especially you know, imposing not... with those ripped abs yeah <laughs> super imposing My i mean i can only easy. assume there's a scene like that got cut of him like you know doing reps on the salmon ladder <laughs> yeah, you, you know you know the shot you know the shot in every marvel movie where they have the hero show off their chest or abs or whatever it was like that <laughs> yeah yes <laughs> and what's fantastic that that segues directly into chapter two with luke and lando yes <laughs> also training on a salmon ladder <laughs> also abs so yeah um we get a, a a team up in chapter two of luke and lando which uh <laughs> flash forward ahead to the black fleet crisis or not black fleet crisis um uh, Corellian trilogy books, kids. When uh, Luke goes with Lando on a wife hunt, that's a thing that happened in this in the Star Wars books. <laughs> you know, I read those like not that long ago, yeah, and I have absolutely no memory of that. <laughs> Probably clearly, for the best. Clearly, they were really good books. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, there was some cute stuff with Han and Wedge and some starfighter battles, but other than that, those books were not. Yeah. I remember lots of adorable moppets. <laughs> okay. So, speaking of adorable moppet, Luke is stuck at the, <laughs> at the Slewis Van shipyards until they can fix his ship because they've got other things to worry about right now. Yeah, uh, and they won't. And yeah. like every wedge was presuming that all he would have to do is be like, but it's Luke Skywalker's X-wing, and yeah. they would like shift to the front of the line and they're just like nope and i also <laughs> love that wedge is willing to risk a court martial just to help out luke because they're bros and that's what they bros are that do. is a bromance such a bromance <laughs> although we, we, as we'll see in the expanded universe wedge is willing to risk court martial <laughs> for over, a lot of things really over <laughs> wedge. Wedge does not give a shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if if they're sh if they're serving uh, liver for in the mess hall again, he's willing to risk court martial. This is so true. Wedge is like one of the most like clean cut. Um, will do anything for the Rebel Alliance and New Republic. But then he will also completely disobey the rules whenever it suits he, he him. He is very lawful neutral yeah. <laughs> it's like what are you gonna do to demote me okay fine i'll yeah. just go back right. to just thing, flying rank, ships <laughs> yeah yeah rank 100 percent doesn't matter to him yeah. right it's like luke stepped off the farm and into an x-wing so as long as they let him keep flying an x-wing which mm -hmm. they would be idiots not to he really doesn't care what else happens to him right. <laughs> oh man i hope we get more of wedge on rebels because he's so adorable <laughs> uh so lucas i can't wait for Empire's End, as long as they don't kill uh, him. Yeah. Chuck. Oh, Chuck. Totally, totally going to kill him. Yeah, you missed that I, discussion I think I, last I week, think too, I, Brian. I heard that Jar Jar kills Wedge. <laughs> no, Jar Jar <laughs> kills Luke. <laughs> uh, so Luke is stuck until they can fix his ship, and Lando is stuck there until the medics can fix him, because <laughs> he doesn't have, like, life-threatening industries, or injuries. Also, also, also as we 
sort of, you know, realize next chapter, like, Lando doesn't have a ship. Yeah. <laughs> Lando's just stuck there. He's stuck stuck there. there. Poor guy. I mean, he could he could call, like, Space Uber and get home. <laughs> like, I'm not really sure why Lando think, didn't leave on the Falcon with Han. I think like, Han is Like, he would be back space... on Coruscant by now. Yeah, I think Han is Space Uber. <laughs> <laughs> like, he would be back on Coruscant, like, under the watchful eyes of a, of a 2-1-B droid by now. Yeah. But, like, he stayed behind. I, I don't even know why he stayed behind. To, yeah. So that he and Luke could have this little, like, romp, I guess. But, like, what the stated reason was, I'm not sure. Yeah. Han and Chewie's uh, old married act is just that insufferable. Right. So- Chewie wasn't there! It was right. just Han and Luke. Okay, Han- it's just Han that's that insufferable. <laughs> so, um, they... Like, I would rather sit here with shrapnel in my chest <laughs> and spend another five minutes with you, Han Solo. <laughs> So um, L- Luke goes to talk to Lando and they're talking and then he's like, wait a minute, where were you? <laughs> and Luke's like ridiculous. walking through the hallway and he's like, I smell this certain cigar smoke on you because he's part dog, apparently. <laughs> this like this like goes beyond Thrawn's uh, Sherlock Holmes thing. This is straight up Batman. Shit. I was reading <laughs> yeah. this in the sh- I was thinking about this earlier when I was doing the show notes and I'm like, you know, I'm never going to feel bad about something contrived in a book that I write because (laughs) this is the biggest contrivance. I think I've right. It's not like it was, I mean, if it had been cologne, yeah, (laughs) if it had been, even if it had been incense, like, Oh, have you been on so-and-so's ship or in so-and-so's card room or with next, did you shake hands with this guy that like yeah Luke didn't even have a conversation with them but no it's like it's like this guy's like special mix yeah of cigars or cigar or whatever and Luke and like and like literally Luke just walked by him like he didn't even have a conversation with the guy was and then Lando's like oh my god Niles Farrier is here he must be trying to steal a ship we gotta go stop him so this is this (laughs) Um, is basically like plot here i'm pushing you forward yeah here is a space highly convinced yeah he may be the warrior guy weren't like making out (laughs) somewhere and that's why no gross (laughs) all right let's 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 put a kibosh on that (laughs) so um yeah they confront niles farrier who is a legendary ship thief uh, and he tells them that the Empire has offered cash money for new warships. Uh, so that's a plot point of this of the book. As we know, they're looking for ships uh, because they screwed up their sluice band plans. Their uh, space heist didn't go off. I know, right? So, um, a cool some cool parts of this uh, this little confrontation. We learn about the. Defel or Defel or however you pronounce the name of the wraith species, which are kind of cool. And um, I like Luke's reflection on it being a good thing for a Jedi to see both sides of an argument, but also frustrating. Uh, And that's probably why he's left politics to Leia all these years. (laughs) I just like the fact that Lando... Adorably inarticulate. Yeah. (laughs) I just like the fact that Lando refers to stealing a ship as palming it. Yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. That's adorable. <laughs> yeah, that's what Lando would do. Um, also, I like that Lando's like, this is Luke Skywalker. You might have heard of him, the guy who took down Darth Vader. 
and it's like <laughs> it's like they're in high school and he's like yeah well my friend can beat you up so you need to go run away <laughs> <laughs> And I, I mean, also you'd like, think that you'd think that like Luke standing there with a lightsaber, like swatting blaster bolts right? away from him, would be enough to like convince them to give up the ghost. But I know. I, I don't. There's so much inconsistencies here about who knows who Luke is and who doesn't, and yeah. Well, and Ferrier does say like the vaunted Jedi has always yeah. been, you know, exaggerated or whatever. So I mean, you know, he could have been thinking like, well, you know, just let's pour it on, and eventually one will get through. Yeah. I also like that Luke is Luke uh, is like, well, uh, that's not exactly how it happened, but I don't need to, you know, clarify that right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is, actually, this is yeah. becoming a wise Jedi because yes. farm boy Luke would have been like, well, actually, yeah. Luke would be standing in the background making a psh face like on my pin tweet right now. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah, they... Um, Learn that the Empire is still looking for ships. Niles Ferry, he they send they're basically like, uh, yeah, you leave and go try to steal a ship someplace else. Um, and then Lando gets all his codes for the computer and he manages to like push Luke up in priority and also I I'm assuming get a ship of his own. <laughs> I don't <laughs> so yeah. I love that part. I mean, this is pretty like plot necessary too just yeah. the fact that like lando would like let these guys go instead of just calling security down on them like like why like yeah <laughs> i don't like, know if you yeah. care enough to like jump out of bed and go stop him from stealing a ship like, maybe why? he was just bored <laughs> it's like god something to he do. wanted some adventure <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, also, canon alert, apparently the uh, the Verpine helped Admiral Akmar delete the uh, develop the B-Wing instead yes. of some reclusive Mon Calamari. Not no longer true anymore. <laughs> I mean, it can still be true. Like, Corey just made the prototype. They still had to, like, develop it because they're not uh, flying it yet. It seemed pretty much like that was his baby. <laughs> listen, listen, we can make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, chapter three, we have Han returning to Coruscant, and um, he really should have taken Lando with him because <laughs> the PO has been driving him bonkers. <laughs> I love the That's progression. I love the progression of day by day as That's his great. annoyance gets worse and worse, and finally he just locks him out of the cockpit. It's like, poor 3PO. <laughs> So, um, his reu reunion with Leia. Radio, poor Han. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. His reunion with Leia is short and sweet before he's immediately drawn into a council meeting. And, uh, yeah, he must really love Leia because that's really obnoxious. And that's really, like, the last thing he ever wants to do. Especially like when Phalia is being such a butt that he arranges the council chambers in a certain way. So, so it benefits him. It's like, God, well, like, you are so like, insufferable. Like, think about this. He's been on, like, a ship with 3PO, like, just the two <laughs> of them for, like, what, like, three, four days. Yeah. Um, Like, think about, like, you, like, driving cross-country with the most annoying person you know, <laughs> and then at the end... Hopping out of the car and like delivering testimony to Congress, <laughs> like that's basically what Han has to do here. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised he's not more like you know snarky than he is. <laughs> yeah, 
maturity, I guess. Right? <laughs> no. No, that's not what it is. <laughs> so uh, they have this meeting in the council chambers uh, where Han is being questioned about what happened at Slew's van. Of course, Felia jumps on the fact that they destroyed the ships. Um, you know, he... Oh, and, and Felia's like such a jerk. Uh, yeah, he's the worst. Like, he is the worst. And my... The thing that, like, just makes me want to punch him in his snout in this chapter is when he, um, uh, I have no particular quarrel with your method of stopping the Empire's attempt at grand larceny, costly though it might have been. I'm like, really? You're complaining about the, the cost of it? Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. He just saved your entire fleet from being jacked out from under <laughs> you. Well, he does then By go on miners. to say... You and the others succeeded brilliantly. Yeah. I mean, though it may have been. And and I'm just like, really? You're a jerk. (laughs) That's like the most least jerk-like thing that he says in the whole thing. (laughs) Like, yeah. And then he, you know, immediately transitions to being a jerk to Akbar. Yeah. And then, you know, Han just gets so annoyed and he's like, yeah, well, I'd like to see how good you do against a Grand Admiral. And then he's like, oh, crap. I was going to use that for later. Yeah, <laughs> but he just yeah. gets so mad he can't help himself <laughs> so um yeah they're all like we don't believe you we accounted for all what the grand admirals like? what does he look like and then he looks like a grand admiral yeah so um the empire doesn't like non-humans because yeah. prosthesis is I have some <laughs> I have some alien friends I can't be xenophobic <laughs> <laughs> so, look i got this blue guy with the horns right here i also appreciate that he describes them as being light blue because that was a discussion when we got the first pictures of theron and rebels some people said that his skin was too light uh in comparison to like fan art and other drawings we'd seen of him over the years and i'd like to point out no he was light blue from the beginning. Just saying. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know about fan art, but he looks like pretty much every like you know official yes. art I've seen of him. Yes, except for the pupils, which people are still mad about. Whatever. The what? The pupils that he has pupils. Oh yeah, that they're not glowing. Yeah. And that they're just red. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's fair. <laughs> uh, so we shift over to Han and Leia <laughs> visiting Akbar under house arrest and. Uh, Akbar is really grumpy in the series, <laughs> which I mean, I guess is understandable because he, you know, goes through hell. But still, it's like, dude, chill out a little bit. <laughs> They're trying to help you. <laughs> We're gonna have you read all of Akbar's parts. Yes, that would explain a great many things. Oh my god. Feed so- me fish. <laughs> so so now we know who we need to play Akbar in the Jedi Duck yeah. Return. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. So um yeah, they visit Akbar, talk about the Grand Admiral. Um they discuss how the cloaked ships work, uh, and also how they can be more dangerous in their work worth, which begs a question of whether or not we're gonna see Thrawn use these later on. Uh, so keep that seems, in your back pocket. Seems like we might. Seems maybe. like they're laying the groundwork. Possibly, maybe. Of course, could be just that I've read these books before. But, um, 
Seems seems like foreshadowing. Maybe. Um, and Leia avoids telling Han about her agreement with the no gray because <laughs> she is going to well, wait duh. as long as possible to tell him that. That's probably for the best. And <laughs> and as long as possible is chapter four. So the next scene. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So finally back on Coruscant, Luke is in the Coruscant library uh, researching Sabioth, uh, who he figures out should be... So yeah, Luke figures out that Sabioth should be dead by now because he can do math. <laughs> um, I, I'd like to point out that Luke manages to do all this research in the library without the help of a small child. Right? <laughs> uh, uh, I'm reminded of that stupid essay Luke Skywalker can't read and want to go uh uh it's not true um <laughs> I like Luke's reflection reflection on new regimes setting up dating systems again <laughs> yeah. timely topic um also because that's something that fandom discusses a lot <laughs> is dating systems um and how they don't really have one in Star Wars um I also like the information about Sabioth's background and training because it's so different from what we got in the prequels. So this is a reminder that this came before. Um, and I, I, I kind of like San's version of it better. I don't know. There, there's nothing here that like largely contradicts the what happened in the prequels. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's... you. There, you can always say, well, this was a different sect of Jedi, which is usually what they ended up doing to try to make things work. Well, and I mean, it's just like, I mean, it's just because they talk about like there being a Jedi training center, you know, rather than like him going to the to the capital. Like, it makes sense that there would be like little satellite, you know, academies or whatever. Yeah. Out in the sticks. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, it's basically like learning about him and where, you know, what he had involved himself with. And um, uh, Winter comes and fetches him. Uh, and um, they she he asks her what she knows of Sabioth because he was involved in something on Alderaan and she's got a photographic memory. So, you know, he's got to ask her. And uh, she, she describes what... Um, uh, what he looked like and he's like i was surprised that he was muscular because i always got the impression that jedi weren't very muscular and then she looks at luke <laughs> and she's like no offense <laughs> there's an interesting bit of of lore here where he, he he's she says that he was wearing the same brown robe and white under tunic that a lot of jedi seem to favor yeah which like that becomes canon later on but like i mean at this point, that still could have just been like what, what Obi Wan wore. wore. Yes, which I mean, in my mind, makes sense because if you're like hiding, you wouldn't like wear like the Jedi uniform. You would wear like you know your your desert hermit clothes. Yeah, to try and blend in. So I mean, it always like struck me as kind of silly that like that's like the Jedi outfit and that he just like kept rocking that while he was hiding on Tatooine. I um, yeah, but. Apparently, Zahn disagrees. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, they, um, you know, they discussed Sabiath a little bit. I, <laughs> but she says Luke not being muscular is so funny. <laughs> and she's I don't she, think she says that. No. She's like, yeah. And Luke's like, you know, yeah, that's a common misconception, you know. 
Also, I, I think it just makes me laugh because I've 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 read some fic with them. So <laughs> you you've probably written some fic with his abs in it. So no, with him and Winter specifically. That's why it makes me oh. giggle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't ship that. Like that's strange for me to say. But I mean, I don't this ship that. this really wasn't shipping proper. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so they uh Luke goes with uh to Han and Leia to discuss failure and whether or not he's the person colluding with the Empire. Basically, you know, they want to accuse him of treason, but then they're like, but if we accuse him, then they'll be like, You're just accusing him because he accused Akbar and because apparently the New Republic government is like preschool seventh um, grade yeah <laughs> um so they they discuss some of philia's bl- background and since they, they they really stayed out of action his group of bothans except for this one time at this planet called new Kov. so han immediately thinks well i'm gonna go there and try to dig up some info because why not han needs something to do in this book um yeah so he thinks basically thinks the bothans were protecting something there that will um you know help them this thing wide open yeah um then so he's like yeah we're gonna go now and leia's like now and that's when chewy busts in and drops the bomb about leia agreeing to meet with the no friggin chewy <laughs> and chewy like, always has to be the adult he does he's like <laughs> and then they're like she did what what and then luke's like uh peace out guys and yeah and, and he like glances at chewy and even though chewy's the one who started this mess chewy's like uh yeah i'm going with you <laughs> I know. Talk about like dropping a grenade in a room and then hurrying out and locking the door behind you. That's such a jerk <laughs> nice work, move. Nice work, Chewy. I know. Like you're supposed. He's to- like, well, my work here is done. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's like, whatever. You're on your own, Leia. So, um, yeah. He <laughs> they leave them alone to fight because they're not dumb. <laughs> uh, Han and Leia argue about Leia going alone to meet the Nogri. Well, uh, okay. Yeah. Let's not forget in alone. Um, this is our gentle reminder that Leia is pregnant. Yes. Um she is we, we have pregnant. to keep reminding ourselves. Her belly of this has because... been swollen as we was we Han noted in when they reunited. So yes. Um she's further along. At, now. Well, it, at the beginning of Heir to the Empire, they talk about her being about nine weeks pregnant. In this sequence, they say it's been about two more months. Uh-huh. So she's Going in her fifth, going into her sixth month, and there are two babies, and she's tiny. So yeah, she probably needs some sort of medical care on a regular basis. <laughs> like visibly pregnant. I guess space medicine is. I was gonna say better. these are space babies. I'm sure she just took a back to pill and everything. <laughs> That's, yeah, I mean it worked for Padme, right? Right. You just, <laughs> just eat, eat your vegetables and drink yeah. lots of water. Padme did prenatal vitamin. Padme died of a broken heart. That's true. Whatever. (laughs) What I love about Han and Leia having a fight here, though, is that... That Han and Leia have a fight? (laughs) Yeah. They've only been married for about a year in this timeline, but really Han and Leia have been a married couple since approximately the moment they first clapped eyes on each other. (laughs) Snarked at him. He snarked back at her. He called her sweetheart. They called it a day. Um so they don't fight for very long. Mm-hmm. He just sort of realizes in that 
moment that all married men have had. I'm not going to win this. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. He's like, he's like, and so You're he not moves going. immediately to and harm like, reduction. As, as the words you're not going are falling out of his mouth, he's got to be realizing, well, that's stupid. Of course she's yeah. going. <laughs> of course she's going. So, I'm never going to convince this woman not to do something she's got her mindset on doing. So, yeah. so I got to stop. Yeah. So, and he moves immediately to harm reduction. He's like, okay, I trust you, but you're taking my ship. You're going to be flying the fastest hunk of junk in the galaxy. And Chewie. And, and you're taking my Wookiee. Yeah. Chewie, <laughs> Chewie's going with you at least to the rendezvous site. Um, so there's a line in here that I love so much because it's so perfect. Uh, and Leia says, here, Brian, you be Leia. I'll be Han. <laughs> you be Leia. I'll be Han. Han, I had no choice. No choice? No choice? I'll give you a choice. No, you're not going. <laughs> that is one of the most Han possible things I to say. I just so mad and he's like then he just changed his course no you're not going that's, a, that's <laughs> not a, a choice, choice han that is that is the literal opposite of a choice <laughs> um i and then there's the han's reflections on denying leia taking away a part of leia's soul and this is where we all scooch back from the computers and let amanda take control of the podcast i'm well, assuming it's, it's- it's, it's, I mean, I'm not going to wax too poetic about it, but it's, it's a great, it's a great little paragraph. Um, it's actually, it's picked up a lot in fandom. There are lots of gift sets on Tumblr with this <laughs> of quote. Course. <laughs> but it just, it's him like talking, looking back over their relationship and, and realizing that he's been madly in love with her since day one. And like that trying to change who she is, is not good. And something that I really like about this paragraph is it very much gets echoed later on in the other direction in the new canon in Bloodline. Mm-hmm. Yes, when that's true. Han has been out running the galaxy, being a racing star, being a big celebrity, and he's ready to just come home and not do that anymore because Leia needs him. And she's like, no, I'm not going to try to ask you to be contrary to your own nature. It would be like clipping a bird's wings. And so I like that even though it's two separate timelines, we have both of their insight into I love you, all of you, who you are, and I'm not going to try to change you. Oh, they're so Traditional gender roles being what they are, though, it's a little more uh, palatable here than it was in Bloodline. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, um, they basically come to an agreement that Leia will go, but she'll be careful about it <laughs> because Han has, <laughs> Han has to go do something else important with the, for the plot. <laughs> important yeah, for the to, plot. He has to go do plot things, which is funny because, um, you know, well, I'll, no, I'll save it for later. Cause it's spoilery. Well, but this ba- new cuff thing is super important. Just maybe not yeah. for the reasons. Well, yeah, basically Zahn was like, I need something for Han to do. So <laughs> he created this plot yeah. line. <laughs> I mean, it's not like it's a pointless subplot. It no, does go it's very pointful. But like, it, it, <laughs> it's it very is, pointy. It is a little, it is a little goofy. Like you know how yeah. Han decides that this is absolutely what he needs to do next. Yeah. So yeah, those are the first four chapters of Heir to the Empire. Or no, no we are gonna finish that book. <laughs> See, I'm so. 
used to saying that. These are the first four chapters of Dark Force Rising. You'll get that under your you'll get that under your feet by the time we get to uh, the next book. The last command. Yeah. Yep. yep. Great. So yeah, um, thoughts going around the table. Final thoughts about these four chapters, Brian. Wedge and Luke, bro, TP forever. <laughs> they are. Uh, Matthew um, they're good it's, uh, <laughs> it's a nice rousing start uh, to the to the to the next book um, there's a lot of uh, you know it, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of like action or suspense or whatever but like there there are like a, a, a few like really like you know exciting tense moments especially in chapter one mm-hmm. um, you know with with the wild card tried to escape and then you know it slows down from there you know obviously you know there's they've got to you know get all the the pieces set up for uh for the rest of the book um but it's all interesting stuff you know fallout from the last book you know setting up plot threads for the new book um there's a lot yeah, of fallout for fallout from the last book here but it's yeah. it's also very similar to Heir to the Empire because the first chapters of those of those books was also action and then set up set up set up. Right, but, exactly. And here we have action set up set up set up and also Fallout. Yeah, so it's good. Amanda, birthday I mean, girl. Other than Amanda. the wonderful, precious, sentimental, <laughs> so married moment here at the end, which I just adore. Happy birthday! Um, <laughs> yay! <laughs> um, I. It's the first four chapters of the middle book of the trilogy. There's a lot of setup. There's a lot of planting of tiny little seeds, which are going to bear fruit later in the book. Yeah. Um, there's a reintroduction to the other to the characters as we had understood them previously, because remember these books didn't come out in rapid succession at the time. No. We had to wait a year, a whole year. So. We, we get reintroduced to our new friends, Card and Mara and Thrawn and Paleon and Sabioth. Um, we get to spend a little time with Luke and Han and Leia and Chewie and Lando and 3PO. And we have now split the party again. The Dungeon Master has, has gone ahead and let them all go their own separate ways in small groups um, so that we can have big adventure and Space something adventures. to talk about at the tavern when they come back together. <laughs> Yes. And Tyler, what is your... Tyler left. Oh, did he leave? Yes. Uh, why oh, didn't you tell me? I, I'm sorry. I forgot. You don't. You can't see the Skype screen. I can't. Aw. Tyler, what would you think of the book? It was really good. I can't wait to read more. All right, cool. <laughs> I'm Tyler, and I approve this message. <laughs> I don't... I don't know why Tyler's act. I, I can do one voice. That's why Tyler's act right now. That's better than my George Lucas. I love it. No, your George Lucas is really good. I don't I don't know about these books, but uh, how, how about we uh, how about we uh, introduce uh, some midi chlorians? <laughs> oh my god! All right. sounds like half like George Lucas and half like somebody else. Jamie Heineman, you're thinking. <laughs> Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I snorted. You did, like, the little, like, hand over your, your lip like Adam Savage does. Uh, perfect. <laughs> he, he, here, here's, the, here's the thing. My George Lucas is just Adam Savage's Jamie Heineman impression. Oh <laughs> <laughs> On that note, let's wrap up this 
episode of the Throncast. We are a Tashi Station podcast, and this episode has been brought to you in part by Heart Universe and by you, our Patreon subscribers. You can find us all on Twitter with the handles Tashi underscore station, Nancy Pan sets Nancy with an I, Lane Winry, that's L-A-N-E-W-I-N-R-E-E, MR Bowers, Manda the Ginger, and Cyberpunk Warlock, that's Warlock with a K. You can find all our columns and news at Tashi-Station.net. Tune in next week when Card spills the beans about the Katana fleet and we figure out what the title of the book means. Bye!